0: Well, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Well, my name is Jamie, if we haven't met yet, um, which is a very high likelihood. uh, I'm the executive pastor here. Uh, Pastor Jason is in our sister church in Cornwall this morning preaching, so you guys are stuck with me. And you can't do anything about that because I have the mic and you do not. Um, Before we kind of jump into this new series that we're in, I want to just take a moment of, like, pastoral privilege, if I could. Um, Our family moved here, like, one month from yesterday, I think. I've been here uh, a whole month already. It's flown by. And, uh, man, our transition has been so smooth because of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, everyone that has helped out in some capacity. Now, I have a list of names of people that I could thank and I, when I say a list of names, I don't mean like, oh, this like just ten people. There's like dozens of names that uh, I could thank, and they don't give me enough time here on stage for me to go through them. But I do want highlight, to highlight some people. Um, Glenn and had like and his maintenance team. They like buffed floors and painted walls and cleaned carpets and all of the things to make uh, the parsonage across the road um, habitable for us and. Uh, it, Just a huge, huge they went over and above our expectations. So thank you to Glenn. I think I saw him over there and his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Colleen Earl put together this list of people who um filled our cupboards in our fridges and had this huge gift basket. So to each one of you who are on that list and like put a bunch of Lucky Charms in my cupboards. God bless you. You get an extra crown or a jewel in your crown when you get to heaven. Uh, But no, seriously, thank you for the food um, and all of the gifts. Our our family certainly felt blessed, and we had something to eat the next day. It was great. Um, And to uh, those who have kind of politely knocked on our door and dropped off, Uh, baked goods and gift certificates and just to say hello welcome to the family all that kind of stuff thank you to you to Emily and Sebastian and to Sadie who have loved our kids better than I love my own kids since we've arrived there have been people who have like mentored our kids and loved on our kids like crazy and so we my Catherine and I are just incredibly blessed by those people Uh, and Uh, Finally, to Jason and to Bonnie and to the LBA for, like, just digging us up out of nowhere. Uh, The last thing we wanted to do, especially during a season of COVID, was move to Ontario. Because as of this morning, God's country, New Brunswick, they are, like, mask-free and everything. So you guys should be honored that I am here. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm absolutely kidding. Uh, But in all honesty, this transition... Uh, See, you'll get to know me a little after a little while. I'm a really emotional guy when it comes to honoring things and honoring people, and I'm going to try not to. But man, our our family has felt so blessed since we've been here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, It's been such a great transition for us. It was a hard transition, um, but because of you, it has made it that much easier. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. We're really excited to serve Brockville in the greater Brockville area with you. Really exciting stuff. So let's get into the series for this month. Uh, we're talking the usual suspects. And so what we're going to be doing is we're kind of making our way a little bit through the book of Genesis. Uh, whether you've gone to Sunday school when you were a kid, or maybe you've seen uh, a lot of these character stories throughout media or a pop culture or whatever, we're going to be taking a look at some of these, like, foundational characters throughout the book of Genesis, and really holding them up to take take a look at what it means for us today. Like, Adam and Eve, they blew it, right? Like, for all of us. And so what does that have to do for us today? And so we're going to look at characters like Noah, and Abraham, and Jacob, and we're going to kind of see, like why are we the usual suspects? Because they were the usual suspects. Like, they represented the beginning of humanity, yet there's something in their stories today that can help us understand what God wants us to know. And so, uh, we're going to be looking through the book of Genesis, just chapters 2 and 3. If you've got your Bible, whether digital or analog, you can open up to Genesis 2. We're going to kind of be really quickly trying to go over a little bit of the creation story and see what it has in store for us. So a lot of us know kind of the biblical creation story, right? God created all of the things within a six-day period, right? He created... uh, He separated light from darkness, sea and sky, land and vegetations, galaxies, sea life, birds, mammals, insects, all of the things, and then He took a nap on the seventh day, right? We all know... That story. And after each one of those days, after each one of those creations, help me out here, God said that it was good. See, this is really important for us this morning. God created these things and said, It is good. He looks at it and goes, I did a pretty good job. It is good. And so, this is where we're going to start in Genesis 2 starting at verse 4, when, God, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all of the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So right from the get-go, man was given a purpose. He was given a job. He, He was told what was needed of him, right? God created all the things, and then they just kind of were there. And the only way that plants grew is God had water come from the ground to, like, make sure everything was still growing. But instead, he was like, I need someone or something to come and till the ground and cultivate things Right, and name all the animals, and so he creates man. And so, right from the get go, man, his, his kind of masterpiece creation, is given this job to basically continue on the earth's growth, to cultivate the land, to till it, to move the soil around, to eat of its goodness, etc., etc. But notice what God does not say after he creates man, he does not say it is good. He doesn't say that about man. And so he's looking at man and going, huh, this isn't, this isn't this is something not right. And so we continue to verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said this, it is not good for the man to be alone. So this is like, this is a huge turning point in creation because up to this point, everything he's created has been good and right and perfect and ready to go. And he looks at the guy and he's like, eh, not yet. Some of you wives look at your husband and goes, eh, not yet. So the creation of man wasn't perfect. It wasn't complete. There was something about it that just wasn't quite right yet. The masterpiece was not finished. And he just kind of, God says, yeah, it seems okay. So what he says is, I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God continues creation. He makes more animals. He makes more birds. He makes more beasts. And he's like, are any of these suitable to help man cultivate the soil? And he looks at all of the things and he goes, Nope. Even man's best friend was not a suitable helper to help in creation. It's like, I need to make you someone special or something special. Now, here's the thing. It says, I will make a helper for the man. Now, don't think of helper as assistant. That is not what the Hebrew word helper means. It means alongside. It means someone to do life with. That's what helper means. It doesn't mean the person who does the cooking, the cleaning, and all of the laundry. That is not what it is, not a personal assistant, okay? I should be getting a few, a few more amens from the ladies in the room, thank you very much. Helper does not mean any of those things. Helper means alongside, to do life with. It means someone to help fulfill this purpose and this goal and this job that he has, that God has given man. A helper is to do life with, to do that calling with. And so uh, the word helper also means concrete or to solidify. And so this helper that comes along is meant to solidify God's calling. Interestingly enough, But the Hebrew word for helper also means variant for you Loki fans. But moving on, I digress. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, ouch, and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man, right? So... Get this, the woman is not made to assist man. She's made to complete mankind. Man was imperfect and incomplete. Humanity was not quite right. It wasn't there yet. And so he makes a helper in the woman. And she is not there just to assist him. She is there to complete humanity there we got an amen in the back the woman isn't for man she is for mankind and Adam understands this okay verse 23 he says at last exclamation point I love his reaction to seeing the first woman alive at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh she will be called woman because he took one look at her and said whoa man This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife are both naked because they felt no shame. In other words, God looks at the completion of humanity because of the man and the woman. He says, now it's good. Now we're cooking. It's complete. This, This is how I want it to be. It is people coming alongside one another, humanity working together to, f- to fulfill the purpose and the calling that i 've given to mankind. Now it 's good until they blow it all. And we all know the story from here, right? Right Adam and Eve are cultivating the ground and tilling the soil and doing all the things and eating all the things and naming all of the animals right they do what's with the dodo bird where did they get that I have no idea I digress so they're doing all of these things that God has called them to do and God says you can do all of you you have all of the room and all of the space it's all yours just don't do the one thing don't eat from the fruit of that tree that's in the middle of the in the garden everything else all yours and we all know what happens here they eat of the fruit Right And there's, there's blame that goes around. Well, she did it first, yeah, but, but, but he, he told me about it, and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. The serpent tricks them into eating the, the fruit, and they mess it all up for all of mankind. That's what it says in Genesis three, starting at verse eight. When the cool evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees because they were naked. And so there's consequences to their disobedience. There there are some consequences to what they have done. They were given the one simple rule not to break, and they went ahead and they broke it. And there are consequences to that. You and I, we are still reaping the consequences of somebody's sweet tooth. We are still seeing the brokenness of humanity because of that one thing that happened that one time the the, the perfect humanity is now imperfect the brilliantly created and specified creation is now broken and so in verse 16 of Genesis 3 we begin to see some of these consequences and that we still feel the effects of today Genesis 3.16 then God said to the woman I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth okay so so physical pain enters the picture a time of having a child which should be utter joy it turns into pain like incredible pain I have no idea what it's, I can imagine it's painful I've seen it I've seen the look on my wife's face so pain enters the picture he says, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So here we, we have relational struggle enter the picture. There's disunity among humanity. What was, what was once these perfect relationships, there's now discomfort and disunity. Verse 17, and God said to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree. See, we don't have to listen all the time. And to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. What that means is all of creation is also messed up. All of creation is now uh, covered in, in death, in, in, in sin, and sin, and things dying. All of creation, not just humanity. He says, All of your life you will str- struggle to scratch a living from the ground. In other words, nothing is for free. You have to work and sweat and toil for your living. Verse 18, I will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. In other words, there will be dead among the living. Evil can take over the good things in life. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return, and thus enters death. From this point on, we all have to look forward to death. Well, that stinks. All of us, and see, many of us are doing our best to try to ward off death. Because we know that there's pain with death. We know that there's, there's struggle with death. And many of us are doing what we can to try to avoid it. We wear makeup to make us look younger. We, we dye our hair to get rid of the, the color of, of white that seems to make its way through. Well, things are getting uncomfortable now. Right? We, we wear clothes to make us look younger, guilty. We, we do all of these things. We, we try to get healthier. We try to eat healthier. We, we try to fill our lives with things that make us feel younger. And so we do everything we can to ward off death. And so humanity is broken. From this point on, the one sweet tooth that someone had one bit of curiosity messed it up for all of us forever humanity is no longer perfect it's broken, it's full of sin every human from this point is born with a capacity to sin over and over again and it ends in physical death there's sadness and anger and confusion it's imperfect and we know that nobody's perfect right right we've said that a million times nobody's perfect but yet we still say that things are perfect when they're not let's look at some of those things some of you might see a brand new baby and you'll say oh she is beautiful she's just perfect no she's not she poops her diaper and keeps me up at night she is not perfect Oh, well, look at that oatmeal. This, this oatmeal raisin cookie is just perfect. No, it's not, because where those raisins are could be chocolate chips. And raisins don't belong in baked goods. Holly, are you taking notes? No! You can't have a perfect oatmeal raisin cookie. It doesn't work. Oh, so-and-so, they are just the perfect couple. No, they're not, because they're going to fight. And they're going to argue over disciplining their kids. And they're going to argue wow, about their finances. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard sometimes. And they're going to, at one point or another, probably rethink the relationship. It happens. Oh, you're, you're looking for the perfect wedding dress. That, that dress is perfect. Maybe, but you're probably going to get altered a few times before the wedding day. It's not perfect. Oh, this meal is just perfect. Have you seen the bill yet? Right, We talk all the time about how things are perfect, but nothing is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And it goes on like this for ages, from Genesis 3 to the Gospels. It is a constant reminder about how God is trying to reconcile people to himself. He gives them rules. And regulations and formats of worship and things to do and things to say and put people in charge to try to gather the people to do all of these things. For generations and generations, God is trying to get people back to a place of perfection, of a place of where they're not feeling broken. And like Pastor Desiree prayed, they just keep waffling over and over and over. And God recognizes at some point that there's got to be a better way. Because it's been bleak up to this point, right? This sermon has been pretty bleak because we are a broken people. Maybe today you don't feel broken, but at some point this week you might. And so God thinks there's got to be a different way. There's got to be something I need to understand humanity better. I need to understand my, my humanity that I've created. And so what does he do? Enter Jesus. That's what it says in Hebrews 2. Because God's children are human beings. Do you get that scripture there? It is. This, is, this is so key. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. And blood. For only as a human, a human being, could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death, the thing that we've been trying to ward off all of our lives. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus became the only way for us to ward off the most inevitable thing in all of our lives. So let's turn this thing around for a moment. Um, One of my favorite cultures in this world is Japanese culture. I absolutely love Japanese culture. Um, All of my favorite tabletop board games um, are Japanese, Takaido and Takenoko and Rising Sun and Otami. I, I just love the artwork Uh, My favorite food is Japanese. Give me all of the ramen and sushi and maki you have. I'll take it. Uh, A few years ago, uh, our family went to the Royal Ontario Museum on vacation. That's not the only thing we did on vacation, but while we were there, they had a Japanese exhibit and they had like ancient samurai um, garb and stuff. It was awesome. It was so cool. I just love that culture. But my favorite thing about Japanese culture is an art form called kintsugi. And what kintsugi means is kin is a Japanese word for golden and sugi is a Japanese word for joinery. So, in other words, gold joinery or kintsugi means to join with gold. And so, essentially what this is it's an art form where if you have like a bowl or a piece of pottery or a plate, or a cup that you just absolutely love, and you drop it, and it's in pieces, what do you do? Now it's useless, you can't do anything with it. But what Kintsugi does is it takes a lacquer, inflected with a really fine, expensive gold, and, and basically puts it back together carefully, piece by piece. So what was once an ordinary bowl, or plate, or cup, becomes something new and beautiful. I want to show you guys some examples of what I'm talking about. Uh, These are just random pieces of pottery. Uh, They're just bowls and cups and plates that you would get from like Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever. And they break. And you carefully pick up the pieces. And what you do is you use... These, uh, this lacquer that's inflected with gold to put it back together and somehow it becomes even more beautiful and more priceless than it was before. I love this art form because it represents all that Jesus is. We are clay that has been dropped by the mistake of two people generations ago. We are broken shards of pottery We are bowls that have lost their use. We are cups that don't quite hold their water like they used to. We are broken pieces of pottery. And so Jesus comes along and he understands the only way that I'm going to be able to understand how humanity works and why they keep uh, getting into the trouble that they're in is to, is to understand and be human. And so God puts himself into God incarnate, into Christ. And Christ comes to earth and understands what it's like to live as a human. He, he experiences temptation. He experiences all the, all the lusts of life. He, he looks around him and sees the brokenness of humanity everywhere. And yet for 30 some odd years, he lives a perfect life he says, now I get it. And then comes his time, after living this perfect life, to give himself up for us. So crazy glue kind of makes broken pottery look a little bit ugly. But Kintsugi does something a little bit different where you have these beautiful gold lines between what, what was once useless and now it's priceless. And Christ does the same for us he slowly picks up the shards of broken pottery and he doesn't just put them back together. Rather, he uses something beautiful. He fills us with something incredible and priceless and beautiful. He puts us back together and there's this art form that somehow, some way, is even more beautiful than it first was. That is humanity. What was once broken and shattered has been put together by Christ. And it is now when we give our lives to him and when we surrender our lives to him, he puts back together piece by piece and makes us something even more priceless and even more valuable than we once were. We are a new thing. We are a new creation. And it's beautiful. Jesus fills those cracks with himself and we become priceless. Priceless. By the grace of God, through the sacrifice of Christ, and by the filling of his spirit, these broken pieces are put together and filled with gold, and we are made new, we are made beautiful, we are made priceless in the sight of God. Jesus becomes the better Adam. See, when we accept Christ into our lives to mend our brokenness, our imperfections become perfected by Christ. He takes what we have done He takes what we are doing and He takes what we will do in the future, those imperfections, and He makes us become perfected by Christ. A life full of sin becomes a life full with the Spirit. Our capacity to sin is obliterated forever by Christ's forgiveness. Our physical death becomes spiritual life in eternity, our sadness becomes joy, our our anger becomes peace. Our confusion becomes clarity and our darkness becomes light. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 5. He says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for who all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Amen. Because one person disobeyed God many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone say amen. So humanity was once this broken mass of clay and shards of pottery and Jesus comes and carefully picks up the pieces and he makes them something into even more beautiful a new creation and is life still perfect? Nope do do we still mess up? yup do we still say dumb things to people we love? absolutely we do do we sometimes make the wrong choices or go the wrong way? Yes, but we are being perfected by Christ. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and we give him our lives immediately for eternity, we are there with him. Yeah, our lives, because we're surrounded by a broken humanity, will still trap us and ensnare us and we will still say dumb things and we will still do dumb things but we are being perfected in Christ while we are still surrounded by a broken humanity. And it's our job to try to help people find these broken pieces of life and offer them back to them and say, if you hand these over to Jesus, he's got this great looking lacquer inflected with gold to make you something new and beautiful and priceless. It's our job to try to help people pick up those pieces And so we tend to think that people judge us based on all these decisions we made, right? All the things in the past, all the things that we have done. We tend to judge each other by our scars when Jesus just judges us by his own. That's all I care about. The scars in his hands and his feet and in his side, that's all I ever need to be judged on. And he is, I am not perfect I am still a piece of pottery that's still being glued back together, but I know where my spiritual life in eternity lies. And it's with Christ. And whether you're here on site or online, that's what Christ wants for you. Your piece of pottery may still look a little ragged. It may still have a few pieces on the ground, but Christ wants to help you pick those pieces up. So I don't know where you're at. Like I said, I only met about 10% of you in this church. And maybe you're in the place where you've given your life to Christ. If you're in church, probably most of you have at one point surrendered your life to Jesus. And you feel like, man, when does this thing get better? Like, at what point do I start to feel like I'm ready to do that thing that Jesus is asking me to do? Well, Jesus is still putting us together. Bit by bit, the more that we give our lives to him, the more that he wants to reveal to us, and the more our broken pieces of pottery begin to look and form into something new and incredible. And then there are some of us, maybe you're here because you have no idea what's next. You might be here because you don't know what the next step is. Maybe this is your last-ditch resort to try to figure life out. Well, I'm here to tell you, that I promise that crazy glue is not going to put your broken shards back together. Humanity is broken. And there's only one thing that can put it back together. And then when it does come back together, it's beautiful and priceless and a piece of art. And that's Christ and the filling of his spirit. And so no matter where you are on those spectrums, I want you to understand that Jesus does not expect you to be perfect. We all make mistakes. We all say the wrong thing. We all make the wrong choice. We all sometimes put ourselves in the wrong group of people that gets us in trouble. Whatever the case may be for you, it happens. But Christ wants to keep perfecting us through holiness and the sanctification of his spirit. So I want to pray for those two groups of people in a moment for those who, who maybe are looking at your broken piece of pottery on the ground thinking like what is next like what now well, what do I do from this point on I'm running out of gorilla glue and there's too many shards and I'm going to cut myself if I start to, to, to pick up the pieces so what do I do now And for those whose whose piece of pottery is maybe almost finished and you feel like maybe you're getting to the, the finish line and there's still just a few more pieces that need to be put back into place for you to completely understand God's fulfillment and purpose for your life. Wherever you are on that spectrum, I want to pray for you. I believe that Christ is our living hope. It's not in anything else but Jesus the way that we understand the world and we gain his perspective on humanity and on people and on sin and on imperfection, when we gain his perspective, life doesn't necessarily become easier, but we understand it through the lens of our Savior, the only person who lived a perfect life and then gave himself up for us. I want to pray for all of you and for all of us, whether online we're on site here. No matter where you are on that spectrum. I just want to pray Jesus' love and peace and gold-inflected lacquer over you. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are. For what you've accomplished on our behalf. God, so many times we tried to get it right. So many times... We've tried to crawl back to you and reconcile ourselves back with you. But time and time again, we drop the ball and we feel like this is never going to go anywhere. And so for the person who's on their last ditch effort to figure out life and is staring at a bunch of broken pieces on the ground, I pray Christ peace over them in Jesus name. God, that you would help them begin to collect the pieces and it might feel like a long process. God, you are the only one with the thing strong enough to stitch it all together, your spirit. And may those people begin to surrender their lives to you and see everlasting, eternal change through the sacrifice of Christ and the filling of his spirit through the grace of God. And for those of us who have maybe already given our lives to Jesus and where we find ourselves in a situation, whether it's relational or personal or financial Whatever the case may be, God. For those that are looking for that piece of pottery that's under the couch or on the ground and we can't find it and we feel like if we just have that one piece, things will get better. For them, God, I ask for the peace of Christ to be over them, to surround them, to help them. God, to give them a purpose and a plan for their lives. God, that you would speak to them, speak to their spirit. And in Christ's name, that you would help them fulfill whatever it is that you're calling them to, whatever that next step is in their life, whether it's that big, audacious uh, step with a change of job, or whether that's a small step in saying, sorry, I messed up to that one person. Whatever the case may be, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would help us pick up the pieces and continue to put back together this broken humanity. God, may we come alongside one another like Adam and Eve did to do life together, to help bring the broken pieces of humanity together to make something new. And it's in the powerful and victorious name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, amen, amen. Well, Why don't you uh, take whatever posture of worship is most comfortable for you in the moment. Maybe you need to reflect on these words. I just want you to understand that Christ is your living hope. He is the one who will stitch it all together for you. And as we sing about that, maybe just take a reflective posture, whatever that looks like for you. As we just begin to worship the Christ who has put us together and made us something beautiful and priceless. Amen.